All right, so um, last week, I just want to just do a bit of a recap from last week and then we'll talk about what we're doing. Last week, we took a break from our sermon series um, to remember what happened on the day of Pentecost 2000 years ago. We talked about being a spirit-filled or actually a spirit-led church, looking at what happened before Pentecost and also on the day of Pentecost and how um, Peter and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about what it means to be a spirit-filled church. And I made just some points, really, um, about what it means to be a spirit-filled church. That's not the only thing that it means to be a spirit-filled church. There's more to it. But some of the things that I said was that we need to be a devoted church. A spirit-filled church is a devoted church. A church that is devoted to prayer. Because before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in the upper room, they were devoted to prayer. They were praying. Um, they were also devoted to fellowship and they were together. And also devoted to the Lord. He is the one who they were ultimately devoted to. And that's the reason why they obeyed him when he said to them to go into Jerusalem and to go and wait for the promise of the Father. We said that a spirit-filled church is a united church. It is a united church because they had unity among themselves. They had unity among themselves. It's also an expecting church because they were expecting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So they were expecting that they would receive that which the Lord Jesus had said. And therefore as believers, um, especially as Pentecostals, we need to be expectant of the move of the Spirit in our government. And it was just awesome, really, just hearing people pray. But talking about expecting, being an expecting church, as as they were singing the last song, um, you're a good, good father, that's who you are. Um, I don't know if some people notice. I stepped up a bit, but I just thought to myself, I'll just use this opportunity to share it. Um, I really sense that, you know, that there's someone here who is dealing with um, guilt. Guilt, a strong sense of guilt. And you're thinking that, will God ever forgive me for what I have done? Um, you know, and it's not a mistake <laughs> that the songs that we sang today... It was talking about with open arms for you to come. I think one of the other songs that we sang, it talked about like the Father has got his open arms. And also it's talking about he's a good, good Father. I just want you to be encouraged by that truth today. So if you're um, wrestling with guilt, if you feel that you're distant from the Lord, or you think that there's something that you have done, that you're, you're questioning whether the Lord will forgive you or not, I want to encourage you that there's forgiveness in the Lord he would receive. Um, but it's not just a, a matter of just coming to him and just receiving, but actually to repent as well. That is what is also expected. So perhaps if that's you, um, you can come and speak to someone at the end of the service, um, speak to myself or one of the leaders, and we will pray for you that the power of, um, of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and that bondage of guilt is broken and released from you. Amen. We also talked about being a daring and a fruitful church. That was what we talked about, that a spirit-filled church is a daring and a fruitful church, a church that steps out in faith, trusting that the Lord would do great and awesome things, just like how Peter stepped out. And also fruitful in the sense that we are not fruitful in ourselves, but it is the spirit. When you read scripture, it talks about that the ones who abide in Christ, they are the ones who bear much fruit. So if we're talking about being fruitful, we need to be a spirit-filled church. 
And finally, what I said was, it's a gospel-centered church. A gospel-centered church. A church that does not wander away from the gospel. A church that does not think that it's matured or it's, it's gone past the gospel message. A church that is centered on the gospel. And as I said, there are many other things that it means to be a spirit-filled church or a spirit-led church. But these are some of the basics that I think if we continue to hold dearly, the Lord would do great things among us. Anyway, today we are resuming our sermon series on the book of Ephesians titled Rediscovering New Life. Rediscovering New Life. We've been following this series for a number of weeks now. And so far we've talked about being blessed in Christ. So that was the first uh, message that we shared, being blessed in Christ. Secondly, we talked about chosen and adopted in Christ. If you've missed that message particularly, I would, I would encourage you to listen to it online and catch up with it. We talked about redeemed and forgiven in Christ, which um, Gary shared a brilliant message on. So please, it's all on our YouTube channel. If you've missed that, um, any of those messages, go back and catch up with it. And today, today we're preaching on our inheritance in Christ, our inheritance in Christ. And um, Gary has already laid the, the foundation by introducing the message already. So I think some of the bits in there you would already know from what Gary shared. So a bit of an introduction, really. When we talk about inheritance, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? I think that for a lot of people, they think about, you know, the money that they inherit from someone who has passed away or from a will that has been made, you know, and then it is passed on to them. I remember some years ago, I was watching this um, television program called Hair Hunters. I don't know if you've, if you've watched it. <laughs> and I used to be so gripped to it and, you know, they'll go and chase, they'll do all the research and they'll chase after the person who uh, is entitled to it before, I believe, the, um, the British Treasury lawfully gets it. So there's a, a window of opportunity where they can actually search for the rightful heir. And I remember watching it and thinking to myself, why does this not happen to me? You know, why does it not happen to me? No, no one has knocked on my door. The, the only thing I keep getting, the closest thing I keep getting is um, getting this phone call from someone saying that, uh, I believe you've been involved in an accident. And I'm like, don't wish me bad luck. I haven't been involved in any accident. You know, that's the closest thing I keep getting. And I, I, I've just been wondering, Lord, when is this going to happen to me? But you know what? The truth is this. That in Christ, every believer, we all have an inheritance. We all have an inheritance. Regardless of your background, you have an inheritance in Christ. Rich, poor, lonely, whatever, wh wherever you find yourself, you have an inheritance in Christ. And we'll talk more about what that inheritance is. If you have your Bible, please turn to Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. And I'm just going to give you a bit of a heads up here because for those who have the NIV, it would slightly be different, but I would explain the reason why it is a bit different. Okay? Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. So I'm reading from the ESV. It reads, In him we obtained, sorry, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose 
of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the ESV starts by saying this in verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance. The NIV says this. The NIV says this, that in him we were also chosen. Okay? That's how the NIV says it. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. The ESV, in him we have obtained an inheritance. What is the difference? What is the difference? Why? It looks a bit different. One is talking about you've obtained an inheritance and the other is saying in him we were chosen. Basically, it communicates the same truth. It communicates the same truth. But the emphasis of the verse looks at things from two main perspectives. Okay? The ESV, when, we, when you read the ESV, it talks about how we've been chosen in Christ and chosen in him and we've been adopted in Christ. And when it gets to this particular verse, it says that because we have been chosen in him, therefore we have now obtained an inheritance. The NIV says this, that we have obtained an inheritance. Why? Why, why have we obtained an inheritance? When you read the NIV to the end, it says that we've obtained an inheritance. It makes it clear. But from the NIV verse 11 talks about the fact that we were chosen in him. The main difference is this, that one looks at the perspective from our perspective as believers, and the other looks at it from God's perspective. God, it all starts from God. So the NIV starts it from the fact that God was the one who chose us in him. And because we are chosen um, by him, we are therefore, or we therefore have an inheritance. The ESV says, looks at it from our perspective that because we were chosen, therefore we have an inheritance. So basically, one is talking, they're all talking about the same thing, but one is emphasizing on God's perspective that he was the one who chose and the other is emphasizing on our perspective but the bottom line is this we have an inheritance in him that is the core truth we have an inheritance in him so because we have an inheritance in him I just want to talk about a few things here okay just to understand a bit more about what this inheritance is and a few points about this inheritance the first point is this one I want to talk about accessing our inheritance how do we access this inheritance accessing our inheritance that's the first point the second point is this the certainty of our inheritance how certain is this inheritance how certain is it and the third point is sharing our inheritance would you be willing to share your inheritance with someone? <laughs> or do you just want to keep it? Well, we'll talk more about that later and you see what I mean by sharing our inheritance. First point, accessing our inheritance. Accessing our inheritance. 
Church, we know that ultimately God is the source of our inheritance. Everything comes from him. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Everything seen and not seen, was, it was all made by him. Everything we have, all we are, is from him. So ultimately, if we're talking about an inheritance, it is he is the source of our inheritance. But the truth is this, in an ideal world, we would all be entitled to inheritance because we are children of God by creation. In an ideal world, that's what it would be. However, as, had already um, as Gary had already mentioned, from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, sin robbed us of this privilege. It robbed us of this privilege. I think for some people, when we talk about sin, you know, we don't really see the, the, the depths of it or the damage that it actually causes. You know, some people think that I have said a bit of a lie, so what's the big deal? Or, you know, I've taken that thing that isn't really mine. Um, yes, the person would feel hurt by it. What's the, but actually, the <laughs> sin itself, what it does, it robs us of things. How it affects other people's lives. How it affects our lives. And it's not only our physical life here, but actually eternity as well. And when we talk about our inheritance, sin itself has robbed us of our inheritance because of the sin of Adam and Eve. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And therefore this privilege that we're supposed to have of just acquiring this inheritance, we don't really have that anymore. 1 John 3.10 says this, and this is talking about the inheritance. It says this, that, um, sorry, this is talking about how we relate to God as his children. It says this, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So the thing is this, in sin not only do we not have access to our inheritance, but we were not even children of God because of sin. Although every child is unique, there's something of the DNA, character, or nature that they take from their biological parents. There's something of, of me in Joshua. There's something that, you know, Jeremiah has taken. There's some same things that he does, and I'm thinking, wow, I did the same thing. You know, there's some certain expressions that there's something of the biological parents that you take. And obviously, we are aware of nature as well, that the environment in which you were raised in also shapes you greatly. We know that. But the reality is this, like father, like son, or like children. And when we read this passage, it says this, that by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. That was why John was saying this, because every person who practices sinning, everyone who continues in the way of sinning from this passage, and not only from John's passage or his teaching, but also from Jesus himself. Because when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, what did he say to them? He says that you're like your father, the devil. Because he was a murderer from the beginning and a liar. He's the father of all lies. So this is, it sounds harsh, but the spiritual 
aspect of this or if we look at it from the spiritual lenses that is the reality of everyone who continues living in sin that's from scripture not me you're actually acting out the character of your spiritual father the devil or your spiritual father God when you walk in line with his ways so like father like children and whoever is your father is where your inheritance lies whoever is your father is where your inheritance lies is it in heaven with God or is it in hell with the devil this is a big one and the reality is that because we have all sinned and we've all fallen short therefore accessing the kingdom is very difficult we cannot do it but it is by grace it is by the mercy of God and it is by the forgiveness that we have received the atoning death of Christ that we have been able to enter into that inheritance itself therefore since we have all sinned and Christ has paid the price that is the reason why Paul said this that in him we have now obtained an inheritance because Christ has paid the price for our sins and therefore through his atoning death we have now obtained an inheritance through his atoning death we've now been brought from death into life through his atoning death because he hung on the cross and he paid for our sins that which um, was due to us we who were children of following the ways of the world following our spiritual father the devil we've now been adopted into God's family and we're now children of God so church Christ is the access to our inheritance he is the access to our inheritance because in him we have the righteousness of God and we've been adopted into God's family making us children of God how do you access this inheritance it is in Christ exclusively in Christ he is the way he is the truth and the life it is only in him that we can access this inheritance if you are not found in him and this is a plain truth there's no way you can access this inheritance because anyone who is aside of him there is no forgiveness there's no atonement that has been made there's no reconciliation there's only hostility there's only separation because of sin we can only access this inheritance because of Christ because of that which he has done he's the access to our inheritance and a lot of people struggle with this they talk about the exclusivity of Christ that why do we think you know Christians are so proud they think that they talk about only in Christ you know it's not inclusive and what about the people who do not believe in Christ and I don't want to spend time talking about all of that but I'll just give you a simple example really um, maybe it's not the best example but something to help really in terms of how you perceive these things you know I, I used to go to the cinema watching um, um, movies and, and, and stuff you know with my wife and before we go into Netflix um, but when you're going into the cinema for example you get a ticket okay and the ticket is for a particular screen a particular room 
You can't use any other ticket to say that that is what you're going to. You can't use your parking ticket to access the cinema. Just because you paid the same or equivalent of the same ticket, you can't use another ticket to access it. All you can use is that particular ticket. And guess what? For that particular time as well. For that particular screen. And that is it. For that movie. That's it. It's exclusive. It is, it is just that. It's not something else. It's not so broad that you can use anything to access it. And church, God has made a way. And it is only in Christ. It is only in Christ. It's not anywhere else. How do you access this inheritance? In Christ. He is the main place that we access. It is through him that we access this inheritance. Exclusively in Christ. So that's one. Two, the certainty of your inheritance. How certain are you of this inheritance? How, how certain are you that you would receive this inheritance? Some people would say that it's all good to, you know, to talk so lavishly and so wonderfully about all that Christ has done, that we're now adopted children of God. It's just wonderful to talk about that. But how am I certain? How are you certain that actually you have this inheritance in Christ? What gives you that assurance that you have this inheritance in Christ? What if you wait till the end and it shows that actually... It's not true. What can you say or what proof can you give that we have this inheritance in Christ? Let's look at this passage again. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. And I'll elaborate on that. Verse 13 and 14 says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory church how certain are you of your inheritance of this inheritance it is the presence of the Holy Spirit in you and at work in you that's what Paul is saying Paul said one of the ways that you would know that you actually have this inheritance in Christ, it is because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. What's he saying here? What's he saying here? You know, these days, I think the significance of the seal is, is lost to sometimes packaging. You know, so when you see a packaging that you can actually connect to, so this morning I had um, Costa before I came, Costa Coffee um, before I came, and you see the packaging of, of it wrapped really nice. You know, you know where it comes from. But in the Roman Empire, in those days, I was reading a commentary about it, and it's interesting. It talked about the seal. And in the Roman Empire, apparently, when an official letter was, was being sent, an important document was being sent, what they did was that they wrote it, and they rolled it up, and they sealed it with wax. Okay? It was closed with wax. And they had a stamp, sometimes a, a signet ring that would put a stamp on it. Or sometimes it was a stamp on it. When that was delivered, it was delivered with a seal intact on it. So anyone who received that letter with the seal intact would know that this is authentic. And not only would they know that it is authentic, but actually 
the signet ring or the stamp on it proves where it came from. The stamp on it proves the source of it and how authentic it is. That is the significance. And what Paul is saying here is that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life through maybe spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues, such as the prophetic ministry, or through the work of the Spirit in your life through sanctification, by bringing you from where you were. You weren't who you were when you came to the Lord. There are lots of things that the Holy Spirit have done in you, and they see, you've seen transformation day by day. Paul is saying this. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life, through sanctification, through the gifts of the Spirit in you, these, these things give you the seal of the authenticity that you are now a child of God, that you've got an inheritance because you're experiencing some of these things. It is a seal that God has given to you as evidence that actually you belong to his kingdom, that actually you're a child of God. As you see these things happening in your life, you know that it is an evidence, it is a seal in you. That proves not only to the church, that proves not only to you, but to other people as well. That you're now a child of God, that now you have an inheritance in the kingdom. Do you have that seal in your life? Do you have it? And praise God, this is not to sow a seed of doubt. Praise God as believers, we have it. As believers, we have it. Amen? The other thing that Paul says is this. He says this, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. He's the guarantee. He's emphasizing on the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. In other translations, it says this, that the Holy Spirit, he is the down payment or deposit of our inheritance. What does this mean? Church, when we talk about the guarantee or let's say the deposit, we're talking about an initial payment that guarantees that a full payment will be made. So at the moment, Odelia and I, we're looking for a house and, you know, but as you make an offer on the house, you need to put a, a deposit that you are serious. You really want to buy this house. And it also speaks of the fact that you'll pay later as well. And church, Paul is saying this. Now, have you experienced the spirit at work in you? He said, have you encountered a touch from God by his spirit in you? Have you been healed by the prayer of a believer? Have you experienced the comforting of the Holy Spirit in you? This is only a deposit. This is only a down payment. This is only to say that actually you belong to the kingdom. There is more to come. There's the fullness that you would experience later. This is only to say that your inheritance, all that you would receive, this is just a deposit of it. There is more to come. There is the fullness that you would receive. So once again, have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you? Have you experienced that unspeakable joy? Les was talking about one time in a meeting, him just, you know, laughing, couldn't, couldn't hold back. There was joy in him. Have you experienced something like that? It's just a deposit. You think that you've seen a lot, 
You ain't seen nothing yet. There's more to come. Just the deposit. Paul is saying, if you have experienced these things, if you have had these experiences, you know that you've got a greater inheritance to come. This is some of the evidence. This is some of the, the, the certainty or your certainty that you're a child of God and you have this inheritance. I remember a couple of years ago, we were in a, a church gathering and this lady walked in. I'd been in contact with this lady. Um, I was told to contact her by a member who um, was in the Wallingford congregation. And the member called me, was really concerned about this lady. Her mom um, from another country called and told her that actually she needs to get herself in the church. She's really struggling with um, alcohol addiction and, and she needs to be prayed for. So I was called and she, she, she received my number. And this lady sometimes would call about 10 p.m., 11 p.m., slurring on the phone, crying, and just drunk. Drunk. And, you know, you can't have a, a proper conversation with someone who is drunk on the phone. So I just didn't know what to say to her. Um, and, 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 and that was what was happening. And she showed up on a Sunday. She showed up on a Sunday. And when she showed up, it, was, it looked like she had an empty, um, she had a, a bottle of water. But actually, when she started talking, I, I realized that it was more than water that was in that bottle, you know. And she joined the service. She was behind. At the end of the service, um, she came, and we were talking, and I asked her if she would want prayer. She said yes. She hesitated a bit, and she said yes. And myself and um, some of the other elders and um, some of the ladies as well were involved. And as soon as I started praying for this lady, she started to manifest the presence of uh, the, the demonic. And as soon as we saw that, we thought to ourselves, actually not here. Let's take her to the back room. Um, so we had a, a room at the back and we were praying for her. She started screaming, screaming. I mean, deafening, screaming. And as we were praying, 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 all of a sudden she laid quietly for a few minutes and she got up and she said that she, was, she felt different. She said, I feel weird, okay, I feel weird. But that's because she's not experienced freedom for a very long time. And that which she was experiencing was the freedom from this possession, really. And church, from that day to now, this lady's message, she's a totally different person. Totally different person. Her parents, her mom knows it. Her sisters, now she's the one who is ministering to them, telling them about the love of God. She called me and she said that she can't believe how the Lord is using her as a key person in the family now to bring reconciliation to family members who are having disputes. Totally different person. Have you experienced something like that? It's just the deposit. That is what Paul was saying. It's just the deposit. How do you know of the greater works to come? How do you know that you have an inheritance if you have experienced these things? And church, that's the reason why the work of the Spirit is so important. That's the reason why the work of the Spirit is so important among us as the church. Because it speaks so much. So much. So I want to encourage you, be certain 
of your inheritance. Look at these things. See the work of the Spirit in you and be certain of your inheritance. Let me read this passage to you. Romans 8, 15 to 17. It says this. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we are children of God because of the spirit. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. He's the one who bears witness in you that you are a child of God. And it goes on and it says, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we, um, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs, because of that which Christ has done and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's talk about the final point. What's the final point? Sharing our inheritance. So now we talked about the access to our inheritance. We talked about the certainty of our inheritance. And finally, sharing our inheritance. Sharing our inheritance. See, in the beginning, I shared or I talked about the TV series about the hair hunters who, you know, would go and search for the people who had the, you know, they, they needed or they, they had the rightful, um, the rights to, to, to the, um, the rights to, to the inheritance. And similar to what the air hunters actually do, Christians are also meant to be people who share the good news of our inheritance. We're meant to be people who share the good news of our inheritance. Not only our inheritance, but the inheritance in Christ. When you read verse 13 and verse 14, this is what it says. It says, in him you also, when you receive, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The key here is this. What's the key? The key here is this. When you heard the word of truth, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So we receive this inheritance by hearing someone share the truth with us. Which is the gospel. And after hearing it, we believed it. After hearing it, we believed it. That was how we received this inheritance. And this is how we came to the knowledge of our inheritance. And as believers, we're meant to be people who share this good news with other people. The good news is not only that Christ died and rose again. That is the good news. But it actually has this other aspect of it as well that brings people to their inheritance. It brings people to their inheritance. There are many people out there who do not know that they have an inheritance. By the hair hunters, they don't know about it because they missed out on it. Someone did not tell them about it. And church, although we know that God is the one who adopts, although we know that God is the one who chose, there's also the aspect of the gospel that talks about whosoever hears, whosoever believeth would not perish. Whosoever, there's a whosoever gospel as well that we have to preach. 
whosoever is out there. When we read some of the parables of Jesus, he talked about how there was a banquet. And he said they invited some people to come and they did not show up. And guess what? The servants were sent to the whosoever would come. Whosoever would hear the call and would come. And church, we've got to be those sort of people who share that inheritance with others. Whosoever would believe that they have this inheritance would have access to it. Whosoever would put their confidence in Christ Jesus would have access to it. And church, what is this inheritance? I think Gary ruined it for me earlier. But what is this inheritance? <laughs> what is this inheritance we have? And Gary, I'm going to take it a step further. Church, the inheritance is not only heaven. The inheritance itself is God himself. It's him. He's the source of everything. He's the source of everything. When you read the book of Revelations, it talks about, actually, we will be in his presence. We will be his people. He will be our God. He is the source of everything. He's the source of life. He's the one who satisfies everything we need. Every longing you have, he's the one who satisfies it. He's the source of peace. He's the source of joy. He's the one who quenches every tear. He's the one who wipes away every tear. It is him. He's the ultimate inheritance. It's not just a place. Heaven is heaven because of the presence of God. <laughs> because he is there. He is our inheritance. And church, it is not an inheritance that you can just keep to yourself. This, this is just mine. There's more than enough to go around. God is big. He's bigger to satisfy every need, every longing. So I want to challenge you today. Share this inheritance. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. So first of all, we have an access. The access is Christ. Secondly, how do we know of this certainty? The spirit at work in us. And thirdly, as people who have been called to go and share this truth of this inheritance with others. And I want to challenge you on this day. I want to challenge you on this day. In what ways can you share this truth with other people? I know that we've all not been called to be evangelists, although we've been called to be witnesses. I want to challenge you. In what way can you do it? Perhaps there's a neighbor that you perhaps want to share it with. Share it with them. Perhaps it's someone you just need to pray for that they may come to the saving knowledge of grace in Christ Jesus. Pray for them. But don't just settle for those ones that are just behind the doors and no one knows that you're doing that. Such as just praying for someone. Actually take the step of faith as well in boldness and share it with someone. Shall we pray? Reflect on this truth about your inheritance in Christ. Think about what Christ has done for you. Think about his mercy. Think about his grace. It is only in Christ that we have this inheritance. It is through him that we have it.
by the gift of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we know we have this inheritance. And pray and ask him to empower you, to give you that strength and that opportunity to share this truth with others as well. Spend some time reflecting and praying. Father, we do come before you, Lord, this morning. And Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Lord, we've heard so much about the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. And we want to thank you, Lord God, for this truth. We want to thank you that in Christ, we have this inheritance. We want to thank you that in Christ, our sins are forgiven. We want to thank you that in Christ, we have been adopted into the kingdom of God. We want to thank you that in Christ we have the gift of the Father, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit at work in us, who testifies with our spirits that we are children of God, who gives us the assuredness that we have an inheritance in Christ. We want to thank you for that. Lord, we also pray in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I ask of you that you would empower your church to experience more of your spirit at work in us, my Lord and my God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would see more and we would hear more of you speaking to us prophetically. Lord, we would experience you delivering people, Heavenly Father, from bondages. We would experience, Lord, unspeakable joy in our hearts, we pray. We pray that you would move mightily among us. And Father, I pray, Lord God Almighty, also for the empowerment of your spirit on this day. That, Lord, that we would not just be satisfied with coming together and just hearing a word, but actually you would make us witnesses. People who speak of the goodness of that which Christ has done for us, the great news, the good news, that which has transformed our lives. We pray and we ask of you to make us witnesses as well. To the glory of your holy name. So Father, I just pray your blessing upon your church on this day. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.